You're listening to the Robert Hartley Games Master Podcast. The following is audio from my interactive tabletop role-playing game series, Twitch Tales, which plays out through my Twitch channel, Robert Hartley GM. The chat act as a hive mind collective to control the actions of the main character while all of the NPCs in the wider world is controlled by me. Enjoy. Hello! Welcome! Welcome everybody to Twitch Tales, episode 38. Where did we leave off in the last episode? Well, in the last episode we had uh, a date. Apis had a date with... um, Hey YouTube, it's going to be another great episode. It hopefully is. Uh, Let me turn on all my spells, which I forgot to turn on before. Ooh, look at these. Level 2 spells. Ooh. We we had a date with the hunting shop um, owner and operator, Sam. And we went to we we uh, we got washed up. We went to the wash house. We talked about Apis's um, lack of spare clothes in their inventory, and decided that they probably have like two spets, two two changes of clothes. Maybe they have um, the clothes that they wear, and then one clean clothes for when they're washing this other uh, pair. One for one for being in the wash, and the other for for uh, actively wearing. Um, so the ape has got changed into the nicer um, option of those those set of clothes and got some flowers from the um, the PEA, the Pinkampur and Amgolshed. And then they went to the hunting spot, uh, knocked on the little door and uh, and Sam answered and said, right, where are we going for dinner then? And you decided to take Sam uh, to the eastern side of the uh, the town of Fondurg, up the... Um, up the mountainside a little bit, just to get the best view over the town and the um, the, the the far side forest for a romantic evening and a date. You went to a restaurant called the uh, Peak Dining, um, where you had some some venison and some uh, some mountain foods. Um, you had an, a date, which was definitely a date. I won't say a good date. It's up to you guys to decide whether or not uh, Apis thinks that this was a good date or not. Um, quantifiably, I was taking notes of all of the things that went right and all of the things that went wrong during the date, and it was kind of so-so. It just evened out, really. It was It was just... There was some awkward moments, there were some fun, fun moments, and there were some not-so-good moments. So, you know, a first date, generally. The, the dad jokes were winners, yeah. Um, at the end of that date, you uh, you walked home through the town, walking Sam back to her place, and on the way you realised that you were being followed by a shady individual who tried to nip down an alleyway to cut you off, um, but rolled really poorly on their stealth check and bashed into some bins which sent them flying and uh, alerted you to their presence. And so you whipped out your hunting knife and Sam... That's not a knife. Outknifed you, got an even bigger knife out of uh, out from under her dress, um, and between the two of you walking down the street holding hands with these this um, these these huge knives out, uh, you managed to scare this one uh, would be thief and mugger into thinking twice about uh, attacking you. Um, you made it home safely. You went back to the. Um, uh, you took Sam back to her hunting lodge and saw her inside safely, and then you made your way your own way back into the uh, tattered page, the library stroke tavern where you've been staying, and that's where we ended off with you uh, making your way back into your room, getting all of your equipment back together, 
um, and and having a long rest, sitting down to to rest for the evening. Is there anything that you guys would like to do as Apis before, as, as your sort of late night ablutions before bed? Anything that you want to do in the last like half hour as you're unwinding from the date and getting ready for bed? Read your books, practice the panpipes, make sure your door is secure, pull a dresser over the door, etc. The door is locked. Um, if you wish to make it extra, uh, <laughs> if you wish to make it extra um, secure, you could you could pull your dresser in front of it. But it's not like you're in a particularly dodgy part of town. Although you did see some um, some criminals out in the streets, so maybe you're um, maybe you'd want to be better safe than sorry. You want to remind yourself that dad jokes are not date material. <laughs> Anxiously recall everything that went wrong on the date. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Books, read your herbalism book. Have a small recap because of the date. Yeah. Better safe than sorry. All right, so uh, there's at least one um, anxious part of the mind that uh, would rather keep themselves safe. So Epis drags the, um, the sort of phone table as it were uh in front of the door just for a little extra protection during the night um and then sits down and and falls asleep reading one of the herbalism books essentially as you're falling to as you're falling asleep um reading the uh, it drifting in and out as your as your eyes drift across the words on the page you're reading about the the different areas that you can find the different types of herbs that are used in potion brewing and and the different medicinal qualities of the various different herbs and uh, there's a particularly long named herb that you can find grows in bushels around a particular clump of trees out in the uh, areas of the forest that are usually a little bit on the damp side and you can feel yourself in that area of the forest and you can feel the humidity on your face and before you know it you're actually standing in this forest and there's a breeze across your face and you're looking down at this this bush this this bush of weeds and trying to understand which parts of these weeds are the herbs that are good for medicinal qualities and which parts are just general forest refuse when eventually there's a voice speaks out from behind you and says about time been waiting for you to get here and you sort of it's a it's a moment or two after after this voice speaks before you even realize that somebody's speaking to you and suddenly you snap to attention and turn around to realize what the oh and turning around, you see that there is a dwarf. He is built very like a very stocky dwarf. He's built he's built in the um, very dwarven way. He's unmistakably a dwarf, but he's over five and a half feet tall, which would be tall for any dwarf that you've ever met. He is a very tall, huge dwarf, and he is uh, adorned in a green, uh, a grass green three-piece plant suit with a brown velvet top hat on with a sweet pea in the brown in the band of it he's got a long uh, rusty beard and his hat is perched atop some long curled curls of auburn hair and he says he repeats again 
Been waiting for you to arrive. <laughs> you must have had a late night. And you try and remember how you got here and why it is that you're talking to this gentleman that you have met before. This, this gentleman with a somewhat merry disposition. He smiles at you and says, Come on, let's walk. There's lots to discuss. You suddenly remember who it is that you're looking at. This is Diggin. This is an archfey that you've met before. The first time you met him, a lot of your memories were wiped from you before uh, of that meeting. It wasn't until years later that you even remembered that you'd met him at all. You know that he's a very powerful individual, being that he's an archfey, goes without saying. But you also know that he wants something from you. Recently he sent a... an assistant, another fey creature, a little prankster, a cherub of sorts, to go and uh, meet you and tell you, tell you that uh, the gentleman wishes to speak with you, wishes something from you, a creature that you've later known to be called Bobby. So he turns and starts walking away from you with a nod of the head to follow him. And looking around, you're in a part of a forest that you don't recognize. What do you guys want to do? Follow him. So you start to follow. As you follow, he says, So why haven't you come to, uh, to speak with me yet? I understand um, it's been, well, it's hard to do the calculations quickly, but it's been like two months since I sent um, Ruprecht to uh, meet with you. And I should mention as well, he's speaking to you in Dwarvish. Been about two months since I spent sent Ruprecht to meet with you. Obviously, that won't feel like that to you. Um, it's currently in a fair uh, bias, so to you it'll probably be like a week or something. Check that we have our essential equipment with us. You glance down at your shoulder, and you are adorned in the in the way that you usually are when you're out in a um, out in a forest. You have your uh, longbow over your shoulder. You have your um, rucksack uh, over your shoulder as well. Um, you have your quiver of arrows by your by your hip, and a and a um, long sword in a sheath on the other hip. You say, uh, "Ru, Ruprecht, Ruprecht." He says, "Ruprecht." Oh, it, maybe he give you a different name. You know who I'm talking about, though. My little assistant fella, my little friend. And you say, "Bobby." Yes, Bobby. Did he tell you Bobby? No, it was written on the outside of this box and you slip the dice box from your pocket. He says, <laughs> Right. Right. So those are yours now. I was going to say, he hasn't used Bobby in a while. Not to the people of your plane anyway. Call him what you like. Little shit works for a lot of people. So what do these do? You ask him. And he says, hey, yes, that's between you and Bobby. That's not what I'm here to talk about. Listen, 
because it's fair base, uh, because it's fair biased at the moment, I don't have a lot of time to talk with you. So let me get down to the point. And he kind of like gestures with his hand and a bunch of the trees and undergrowth of this forest that you're walking to through kind of just start moving themselves out of his way. And as he walks, they're just kind of everything's parting to let him through like Moses in the in, in the sea um, only with him in the forest. Uh, everything, everything that can move is moving. The, the trees aren't uprooting themselves to get out of the way, but any any branches that can move are moving out of his way. Any any bushes that can flatten out are flattening out. As he as he walks forwards, he says, "So um, I need you to come meet with me, and I think Bobby told you as much. I've got something to, uh, important to talk to you about. So where have you been? Why haven't you come yet?" You say, that seems useful. Can you teach me that? He says, aye, maybe. But it's uh, you're a, a long way from that sort of power yet. <laughs> shit had you just you just uh, abruptly say, I didn't come see you because I had shit to do. And he sort of half turns over his shoulder as you're walking behind him. And he gives you a little sort of merry smile and says, aye, that's fair, I suppose. I didn't give you uh, too much reason to come and meet with me. You say, it's uh, it's not like I can come to the Feywild easily. And at that he stops and turns and says, Really? A horizon walker telling me that he, they, they can't come to the Feywild easily? Have you not been practising your powers? What do you say to that? Have you not been practising your powers? The first time that you met uh, Diggin, it was because you had... Um, accidentally stepped into the Feywild while out on a camping trip without knowing without knowing even how you did it. You say, I've not had anyone to teach me. He says, what do you think I asked you to come and meet with me about then? I thought you'd jump at the chance to get taught by me. A lot of people would. It's not like we were born knowing how to use these powers. Horizon walkers aren't exactly commonplace. Everybody I talk to has got no idea what they are. I've I've been lucky to find even a book about them. Diggin says a book about them. You think you can learn what you need to learn from a book? A book instead of getting out there and actually practicing. Have you not been practicing your powers? Was my question. Have you not been practicing your powers? You've stepped to the Feywild before. You've, you've 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 felt the presence of portals to the Feywild before. Have you not? So why have you not been practicing them? Have you even stepped yet? I feel like the teacher's calling us out for not doing our homework. And you say, well, I have been busy. We don't have 40, 40 hours a day to practice. He says, no, but you've got 24, and you spend most of them asleep. Granted, that's not really your problem. It's, uh, I'm, I'm used to working with elves. Speaking of which, do you mind if I change? Would that affect you too much? What do you mean? I'm... I'm not used to being this height. Can I? Would it bother you if I was to uh, appear a little different? He said, "No, go ahead." And as you say, "No, go ahead," he sort of takes the rim of his hat and he sort of tips it to you in thanks. And then he starts to immediately just grow, even from already being like over five foot six for a uh, for a dwarf. He seems to grow, but he's. It's almost like he's being stretched because as he's growing in height, he's shrinking in in width. He's going much less stocky and much less uh, muscular around the upper torso. 
he um he, sh- he shrinks down um until he's a very lithe um very um dexterous uh, looking individual standing at over six foot tall probably about six foot six until her um standing before you is almost uh, elven in appearance but if you turned elf elven features up to 11 he has the most uh pointed uh, angular face with uh, that still manages to somehow be very attractive um and exceptionally long elven pointed ears that sort of droop down at the tips his eyes are an emerald green and his beard has entirely um been absorbed back into his face until he has a very smooth copper skinned chin he's still wearing the exact same uh, plant green plant suit uh, which didn't seem to change with him but seemed to adapt to him uh, almost like a living plant material regrowing and stretching around his body as as his body itself changed. And then he sort of tips his hat and says, Thank you. I much prefer my usual form. So, back on topic. You need to learn to step. That's your first lesson. The first time you did it was a fluke, it usually is for most Horizon Walkers. And you're lucky that it landed you in the Shadowfell or the Feywild. He looks at his uh, long slender copper fingers as he talks to you as if he's sort of just barely regarding you at all. You need to learn to step. I would say that you need to focus your attentions on that. Have you felt the energies i've i've only i can only i can only explain um i can only explain how other people have described it other horizon walkers a sort of prickling feeling have you felt that i'd love to learn and i very much appreciate your offer of help what's your schedule like <laughs> you give him a bit of sass asking what his schedule's like to teach you and he says <laughs> If I tried to explain my schedule, I think it would be a lesson in itself. I don't believe you're familiar with the passage of time and the bias from different time shifts yet, so my schedule alone would be a, a, a week of lessons in itself. Needless to say, you need to, you need to learn to step first. Have you felt a prickle? A prickling energy? Have you felt a sense of power within yourself when you're in a particularly dangerous situation. We felt some pull, but not quite sure what it was. I'd be honored to have you teach us. He says, thank you. It's pleasant of you to say so. You notice that when he, when you, when you give him a compliment like that and say that we'd be honored for you to teach us, he stops paying attention to his nails and his surroundings and, and uh, fixes you with a glare. Um, and sort of smirks before uh, seemingly uh, that's what gets his attention why do you care? (laughs) again if I was to explain why I care about your existence Apis it would require a great deal more time than I have right now I need you to learn to step so that then you can visit me and once you've learned to visit me then I can explain my interests in you and your family. He lets those words hang for a moment. Flattery will get us everywhere, apparently with an archfey, yes. You see, obviously, I don't remember the last time I visited you, so can you just tell me this? 
What do you get out of this deal, helping us learn of our powers? He says, I will explain all of that in due time. But basically, you would be very useful. A useful person for me to know. And I believe we have mutual benefit for one another. What did you mean about my family? And he says, again, you're asking wonderful questions, Apis. It's this sort of mind that attracts me to you in the first place. You have the right sort of inquisition. But I really am at a loss on time right now. It's already been about seven hours or so of me waiting for you to arrive. I really wish you'd gone to sleep sooner. I tell you what. You spend the next few days focusing on trying to step. Get yourselves into dangerous situations if you need to. Whatever you need to do to feel that familiar prickle. And once you do so, focus on taking the raw energy of the universe. The force magic. And use that magic to try and cross the boundary, the meniscus of the material plane. Try and feel out for the existence of other planes in that moment and take a step towards them. At this, at this moment in time, that's about as best as I can explain to you. Oh, and also, I think we're being followed. Do you know this man? And he kind of gestures over your shoulder. And you look round and uh, I'm going to have you make a perception check. Oh, 19. That's good. 19 plus 2 from wisdom is a 21 plus 2 from perception. Uh, plus th technically 2 because you're not really level 5 yet. Uh, plus 2 from the, um, the skill uh, being proficient in it. So that is a, what did I say, a 23. And then because you're in a forest, technically, that would be a 25 from your forest bonus. So with a 25, you spin around and look over your shoulder and you can see that in the, um, in the sort of natural um, parting of these, this forest material behind you as you've been walking with this guy, you see that there is a dark clad individual, probably around seven feet tall, but his form is hidden entirely underneath that of a dark, formless black cloak with a large hood over the top of it. You can't make out any body features at all, save for a face beneath the hood, which seems to be smirking in a porcelain uh, ivory-white mask. And as this featureless face smirks towards you from out of the darkness, you only just managed to glimpse it with your uh, perception as high as it was. Because this creature seems clad in shadow that seems to almost be oozing off of it like smoke. You turn around to tell um, Diggin that you do not know this man at all, this creature. And you say, I, I don't know him, isn't he with you? And as you turn to, to say this to Diggin, there is no Diggin there. You're alone in this forest. And you spin back to the creature that was there before, also gone, into the shadows. The darkness disappeared. You're alone in the forest. And that's where you stay. 
for hours. The path that was magically moved out of your way has re reaffirmed its position once again in the forest, leaving you deep in the undergrowth in the forest. You know that you're still dreaming, but you can't wake. You just have to wait, in real time, in this forest, for the remainder of your night, sleeping and resting, knowing that your real body is safe in a bed somewhere, maybe even on another plane of existence. You try and focus on creating a portal, nothing happens. You can try and sleep in the dream. We need to go deeper. Dream within a dream within a dream. We feel for that tingle to see if we can use it to wake up. You feel for it, but there's nothing. And you realise there's no sounds at all in this forest. Pinch yourself. You pinch yourself and it hurts. Play our panpipes. Reach down into the bag, grab your panpipes out. You give them a little toodle and it seems to work fine. You pass your time in this forest, sleeping, waking, dreaming, until eventually back on the material plane you must be getting close to waking, because the forest starts to lose its focus, almost like it's failing to render. As you've been walking through this forest trying to find any semblance of a path or some way out of this, this endless, deep undergrowth. The trees are failing to appear in time before you step there until eventually you reach the edge of where your mind can render this forest and ahead is just grey and the grey gets darker and darker in shades until eventually it's black and then you wake with a full, re full recollection of every moment that passed in the night. What do you want to do? It is daytime. You are in the uh, in the tattered page. You have woken up on um, the first day, which is. Let me remind you. Uh, let me open up my timeline. It is the sixth of Altabris, and it is a fifth day. How do we feel? You feel rested. You feel energized. You feel a little bit concerned about the um, dark, shadowy, masked individual and your discussion with the this merry gentleman, whoever he was. What does Apis know about these bone dice again? Um, you know that they were given to you by a fey creature. Well, you found them, and by finding them, you seemed to summon the fey creature who said, Ah, you found my dice. Well, they're your dice. They're your dice now. Um, because of the rules of the Fae. They belong to you. Uh, and you also know that they have some sort of divination abilities, but you're not exactly sure what. Let's try and see if we can bring the prickle on. Roll the dice, see what we find out about the figure. You could do if you wanted. Digan can't say we didn't practice. Go out and practice stepping, I guess. Go pay for the room for however long it'll take to train. That's a good point. Um, so, if your intention is to stay here and train um, uh, just around Fondog, which I think it is because you're wanting to level up, this is your first day of leveling up. Um, you're going to need to uh, you're going to need to have a room here to to pay for the night uh, to pay for the rest of your time here.
Um, I think two, I think I charged you two silver for a night before, uh, and you've got another four nights of staying at least before you've fully leveled up. So I'll, I'll call it, uh, I'll call it 10 silver just for pay for five nights, just to overpay. 10 silver is one gold. So I'll just mark off one gold piece and you've paid in advance for five nights stay at the five future nights stay in the, um, in the tattered page. So on your way back from uh, speaking with the the receptionist of the tattered page, you um, you speak with Mel, you inform her of her dream uh, of your dreams, and she says that she also had a, a strange dream. It wasn't that um, it wasn't as weird as yours. She didn't speak to anyone in it, um, but she was just flying over a forest, uh, speaking with more and more of the insects in the forest, and uh, getting more familiar with the different types of insect that there are in the forest. We had thought about doing something counter the dragon's poison by talking to people and getting them to look into it. Can we visit the mayor and ask him to organise a meeting later in the day with us? The mayor, Sam, a representative of the peanuts, and the arcanists to discover caption live hybrids, milk them for their poison. All of that stuff sounds like not level up. So, um, important to know is the five days of level up time have to be focused entirely on levelling up. You have to be practising your stuff. So if you want to do any of that Batmap, that will delay the actual level up time. It all sounds like very good ideas, but it's not what you can do on a level up. So your, today, your day has to be focusing on leveling up. So you can be training your um, your archery, trying to get that, uh, that extra attack. You can be focusing on that prickle that Mary Gentleman was telling you about, trying to, um, trying to learn how to step, putting yourself in danger or something, and to get that danger prickle. For anyone who's new to us uh, or new to the the episode, um, the prickle in which with uh, the prickle he was referring to was uh, you have felt it before. You usually feel it when adrenaline happens, when you're in the middle of a fight and you feel this sort of your hair stands on end, almost like you're in a, an electrically charged um, uh, cloud, um, and you feel like this static electricity is 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 storing up in your body. And when you feel that, that's when you can usually plane a warrior and use your horizon stepper ability to do extra damage with your with your um, with your bow and arrow, let's head out into the forest and follow some follow the gentleman's advice to find some mildly dangerous situations. All right, so you have your breakfast um, and such. You head back in. Uh, you head into the forest for the uh, for the day, and you spend the day hunting. You spend the day hunting, but uh, not specifically for any any um, any food or anything. You've got plenty of rations and you can restock that and help yourself to some free breakfast that the the nature um, provides for you. Staying away from the Lannis Woods, um, you instead hunt south of Fondurg uh, in the uh, outer reaches of the Giftigald Forest around where um, Briar lives, in that area that you know to be probably a little more safe uh, than the Lannis Woods right now. And you go and hunt out some some uh, larger creatures, some something like a um, something like a boar that can do some damage to you uh, if you're not careful. Apis knows firsthand that boars can be quite dangerous, <laughs> even even if they're not dragon boars, they can still be very dangerous uh, creatures to hunt. So Apis goes and puts themselves into a mildly dangerous situation, but one that they know that they could survive as long as they keep their wits about them. And you practice. You try and you try and conjure that prickling sensation that comes from getting yourself in an adrenaline fueled situation. Uh, I'm going to roll a wisdom check for you, just straight wisdom check, no forest bonus. Uh, Seventeen plus two wisdom, nineteen. So you get yourself into a situation where uh, you're close to a boar. You put your bow and arrow away. 
and you just focus as this boar is, uh, has noticed your presence and as a wild creature you're encroaching on its territory it feels like it's threatened you can tell with your animal handling you can tell from its body language that this thing this is a dangerous situation because without a, a um, without a weapon in hand this boar could run at you and gore you and you breathe and you put your hands out away from your your weapons and you know that you're making yourself intimidating to it so it's going to either run or attack you and you read it you read its um its body language and at one point you can feel that this thing is going to attack you and as it charges towards you you know you have to get out of the way and you feel this adrenaline start to spike and start to prickle all over your body and then i'm going to need a dexterity saving throw a 10 plus your three uh uh, plus a proficiency of two because you're still technically not level uh, level five yet. So that's a 15. With a 15, you manage to dive out of the way of the boar as it comes goring towards you. You, do not, you don't get um, impaled on it, uh, but you also didn't manage to step out of the way. You weren't sure exactly what to do. You, you, just, you just put yourself in a dangerous situation and tried to step into a different plane of existence, um, which you have no reference for how to do. You just you just felt the energy. You felt the 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 force, the the uh, creative blocks, the creative magic of the universe. You can definitely feel your access to that with a high enough wisdom check there. But you don't yet know how to harness it. You do this a couple more times. You 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 sort of give that bar a, a bit of space and then come back again and try and try and do it again. Ultimately, no connection. You are making you are making a connection to the the energy that you're feeling when you're playing a warrior. You know that if you were hunting this boy, you could do a lot more damage to it. You could you could send your bow you, your arrow into the ethereal plane temporarily, <laughs> summon it back into the material plane when it hits, and do more damage that way, force damage. But ultimately, you don't know how to use that same effect on yourself to to force yourself into another plane of existence. You just know how to do it to an arrow that you fire. Or even a sword that you that you wield. Eventually, you leave that boar alone, and you decide to go and uh, practice some arrow hunting instead. Practicing your quick draw. You can def definitively tell the merry gentleman that you have practiced a little bit now. You've practiced for a few hours this uh, this morning and afternoon, um, but eventually it just gets too much, and you've taken a little bit of damage from the the boars uh, getting a little too close and goring you. Um, and it's just not happening. So you you decide to go leave it leave it alone, uh, bandage your minor wounds, um, and, uh, and and practice some quick drawing archery instead. Can we think carefully back to when we did it accidentally in the forest with Lakara? Would there be any hints hidden in our memories? Uh, you certainly can do. Yeah, let's uh, roll an intelligence check. See if you remember. See what you remember from that day, that fateful night. Uh, intelligence check. That would be a thirteen. You can recall the uh, situation was that you were you felt like you were in danger and that you were endangering Lakara by you choosing to hunt uh, choosing to camp out here in this um, Diggins Temple as it was called this this particularly quiet and dark um, part of the forest and so you went out looking for this danger to eliminate it before it became a threat to your friend and putting yourself out there especially as a young a much younger dwarf then. Um, in the equivalent of your teenage years, you uh, you temporarily were overcome by your um, your nerves and your fear. And then the next thing you notice, the next thing you remember, is that you were 
you were surrounded by a dull, dreary, colourless, grey landscape of trees. Everything had been desaturated. And turning around to go back to Lucara, it wasn't long before everything again was tur turned entirely the opposite way, where everything became hyper-colourful and bright and saturated and, and, and vibrant and lively. Um, and the creatures around you were horned. As to how you did it, you have no idea, other than the fact that you were feeling that same prickling danger sense around your skin. Can we invite Sam to hunt with us on one of the next few days? Sounds a bit reluctant about it when we asked, but it would be awesome to know her better, and maybe it would be less awkward if we have something else to talk to. Uh, yeah, we could, we could ask Sam. I don't think that would break our levelling up abilities. She is a hunter, and she could help us hunt, as long as the focus of our dates were... Um, us practicing our long our our quick drawing and stuff like that. Um, what you would know as Apis is that it is currently fifth day, um, which means that uh, Saturday is tomorrow. Saturday is like the the penultimate day of the week, um, and Sinter Day is the one day of the week that is the weekend, the day of levity, the day of joy, the day of fun, the day of not working. Uh, think of it like the Sabbath, I guess, where people are religiously expected to not work on the Sinter Day. So, fifth day, Saturday, Sinter Day, and then back to the start of the week, Fin Day. So, she would be working at the, her hunting shop on every day but Sinter Day. So, two days from now, she could have a she could have a day off, and um, and and uh, uh, and you could go hunting together all day then. We could go and ask her tomorrow for the day after. Yeah, we can ask her tomorrow. Once we get back to town, um, we can go and rest and everything. And then tomorrow we can ask her, say, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? So day one passes with us practicing um, uh, our our connection to the tingling uh, sensation that comes when we're in danger. It also comes with, um, it also comes, uh, with us um, feeling the energies of the universe, trying to focus that energy into an ethereal form so that we can do more damage on our on our weapons and as much as we've we've now gotten pretty proficient at doing that when we want to play in a warrior we also we, we're trying to focus that energy into our entire person to somehow step into another plane of existence we spend a lot of time today on that we spend some time on trying to quick draw uh, we probably uh, with them being well-made arrows we we um we don't lose any or or break any they, they can they're well made and sturdy they've got plus one masterwork um, to them, so we don't break any um, any any arrows or anything. The the day passes without any incident. Can we try using planar on our fist instead of our weapons? Just our fist? Yeah, I think we probably could. Let me um let me actually just check that real quick. Let me just open up DMD Beyond and check Ranger because there might be the tag word of um, weapon attack. Next time you attack with a weapon on this turn, blah blah blah. And technically speaking, uh, in terms of like tag words in D and D, your fists are not counted as weapons. I tend to rule. I tend to rule that fists are weapons for monks because they're martial artists and their unarmed attacks tend to be very weapon-like. Um, but for other other classes, and uh, I tend not to. So let me just double check the wording of it as a bonus section choose one creature you can see the next time you hit that creature on this turn with a weapon attack all damage dealt by this attack becomes force damage so do i want to allow planar warrior on an unarmed strike hmm. 
Choices, choices. Rules is written, no, um, because your fists don't count as a weapon attack. Do I think it will break anything to allow that? I f I'm, I'm leaning towards no, it doesn't feel right. So I'm just going to trust my gut on this, and I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say no. It feels if when I think about that question for a monk, it feels right to allow them to be wep considered weapon attacks. For some reason, I'm, my brain's telling me that it doesn't feel right to allow this for a ranger. So you try. You try to um, to conjure this uh, this planar warrior and then attack something with a with your fist attack, <laughs> but that you just don't. You just you can't you can't you can't. Uh, get this this prickling sensation this magical sensation out of your body and into a weapon in the same way as you normally do when you're holding this weapon and so you and so it doesn't have a conduit it doesn't have a it doesn't have a focus point for this energy to go and you try and f you try and make your fist the focus point but your fist is like the the battery that's charging the this this power not the actual point of contact of the power and it's just not working for you. You do wonder if perhaps you had a a ring or some brass knuckles or something that then you could use the, the then you could then the power would have something to focus into a point of of amalgamation um, that you could that you could thrust forwards. Maybe if you had a ring, it it might work. And you make a little note to yourself to maybe get a ring before tomorrow's training. The key from the hotel door. It's a good point. Yeah, you uh, you. You do you you uh, you get an improvised weapon, which would be a key, and because it's now an improvised weapon, it is still a weapon attack. So you grab the key from, and you put it between your your fingers, and you have to focus on a creature for Planar Warrior to work. So for this to work, you'd have to like punch a creature with a hotel key, <laughs> and, and and not break your key because then you then you can't get into your your room that you've paid for five nights for. We do have a ring in our inventory, do we? Do we? Do we? Do we? Where is it? Oh yeah, there it is, underneath panpipes. You do have a ring. There you go. We do actually have a ring in the inventory. So using the hotel key or the ring uh, as improvised weapons, um, you try again during the day to get yourself into a dangerous situation. You unarm. You, you go unarmed except for a key in one hand and ring in the other, and you go up against one of these boars, and you get yourself into a situation where this boar is threatened and charging you. And you feel that prickle, and you summon it forwards, and as the boar gets close enough to go, you, bam! You smack this boar in the side of the head with this uh, with this this key in one hand, doosh, following it round with a, a bonus action strike from the other side, doosh, and you um, you 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 crack the uh, the boar with this planar warrior, summon the energy into the key and the um, the, the 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 ring, and you've definitely got the connection to planar warrior nicely uh, nicely tied to your body and you've you've now gotten it much closer than uh, firing an arrow you see the ethereal nature of the key does seem to transport into your fist and up the arm somewhat before the point of contact at that point of contact your fist seems to almost merge with the outer uh, outer skin of the boar <laughs> and then all of a sudden you feel like a an a, intense uh, pins and needles like 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 pins and needles turned uh, times ten, 
it's just the most intense prickling fe- feeling, not only on your skin, but deep within your muscles and even the bone. As your as your hand goes back from the ethereal plane back into the um, the material plane in the in the in the instant that this this force hits the the side of the pig, dealing extra damage on top of your uh, strength and, uh, and and unarmed damage, it deals this this extra planar force damage to the pig, which knocks it to the side, and then you follow up with the ring and the same feeling on the other hand as you as you planar warrior into the side of this pig. The pig's, pig squeals and uh, and goes lifeless before too many more uh, pummeling attacks. And you have hunted a pig with your bare hands, which is pretty badass for a hunter to do. Um, and thankfully for Apis's um, tendencies to not want to put animals in danger, you did manage to humanely kill this. You, with the first punch, you knocked it out. It was it squealed once as the as the uh, as the right hook hit its side of its head. Um, and the next, the next one or one two punches uh, were enough to actually make sure that it didn't wake up from that concussion. It probably hurt you as well. You probably took a couple more points of damage from to your fists of punching the side of this uh, this this animal's skull. But you now have a a pig and apis being waste not want not type uh, type of person takes a moment to sit down and focus on what it felt like to have a part of your body in the ethereal plane for an instant what that prickling sensation on your skin felt like and how to transport that to the rest of your body, you're not sure. But maybe in time, with enough practice, you'll manage it. You're starting to lose the light at this point, so you... <clears throat> Firemans lift this this pig up onto the back of your, um, your shoulders and you march back into town. Thank, take the mo- a moment to thank the boar for helping us. Yep, you, you respectfully uh, grant the the boy or um, your appreciation for um, for its life uh, so that yours may continue and you take the ball back to the um, back to the town um, you can sell it to the butcher probably is there a soup kitchen we could offer the ball to yes there is um, what do you want to do with this we punched a pig to death <laughs> yeah one two punch bam bam Thank Altamez for the hunt. Yes, we uh, we also pay a little respect to the god Altamez, who provides us our uh, hunter's mark ability, uh, the god of the hunt. Would you like to sell the pig, donate the pig, uh, give it to the inn? What would you like to do with this pig? Give it to those who uh, more needed without payment? There, w- there is a um, town of this size. Yeah, a town of this size probably would have a soup kitchen, yeah. Yes, they do, in fact, yeah thinking about it always helping where we can donate the pig we help those in need all right so most of you saying give it to a uh, donate donate it to a soup kitchen so you find a uh, a soup kitchen in Fondurg, um and you you donate the pig um and they're very very grateful for your help and they take your name and they're flabbergasted that a hunter um with your skill uh that they don't even know about you've just come in from out of town You've hunted a pig and you've just donated it to them, which is a significant amount of money and a lot of um, homeless people and orphans will will be very grateful for uh, eating well tonight with some actual decent chunks of meat, not just uh, bread and and soup. Yeah, they're going to eat well tonight. There's a lot of people that would uh, survive on a soup kitchen in a a town of this size, so you've done a very good good thing for the world. Um, If you weren't already aligned good aligned that would be a tick towards becoming a good aligned uh, creature but you're already a neutral good person 
And then you head back to the uh, tattered page and rest for the evening. And that was day one of training complete. As you wash up, um, you, you bathe, you wash the uh, bloody marks off of your body, you uh, check the bandages on your legs from the, the slight gore wounds that you suffered this morning, and you realise that they've mostly scabbed over already. There's most uh, not a lot of um, damage. It was mostly surface um, skin damage. You clean yourself off and you get into bed, and you fall asleep before too long because it's been quite an exhausting day. A, pick, a prickle of cold runs down your spine, and the hair on your neck stands up. Instantly you're thrust into fight-or-flight mode, and your eyes dash from shadow to shadow, looking for the threat that must have caused your body to react in this way. There's a soft whisper of air behind you that has you spinning, just in time to see the hem of a black robe disappearing behind a tree. But nothing emerges from the other side of the tree. Then you spin back around, and standing in the middle of the ring of trees where no one had been before only a second before you see the same ivory masked figure with their body hidden between beneath formless robes a hood obscuring all but that smirking mask behind the figure you can see several creeping shadows looming forwards towards it from the other side of this clearing and momentarily they resemble the ones that you recently fought in Shadridge as they slither towards the, uh, over the forest floor towards the figure, you say, Who are you? Show yourself. But all that this figure says in response is a deep, drawling inhalation as it starts to grow in form until it's about ten feet tall. As it grows to it grows in stature the shadows are drawn towards it like iron filings to a magnet and as the shadows reach the hem of its robes the darkness around it seems to overwhelm and and encompass it entirely dulling the swishing of the fabric down to a silence and rendering the entire figure indistinguishable from the background in dark uh, the darkness of the forest around him He's entirely in darkness, indistinguishable except for a smiling ivory mask, which a pale hand reaches up out of the darkness to grasp a hold of and pull off. And as the mask comes away, it just leaves behind darkness that blends into the darkness behind, and the ivory mask itself dissipates into blackness. And you wake up the next morning immediately, as if you'd only just gone to sleep. But you wake up on day two. If it's bigger, it's easier to hit. You ever been punched with a key? <laughs> so what do you want to do on day two? This is now Saturday. Saturday is the last day of work. Um, it is named after... Uh... Saturn? No. I regret starting that sentence now because I can't remember who the day is named after. can't remember which of my gods the day is named after. Day of cleanliness. Uh, the god of cleanliness, I think. But it doesn't matter. What do you want to do on your day two? Practice the um, practice the tingling once more. You want you wanted to ask um, Sam if she wants to hunt with you tomorrow, right? So you head off uh, after breakfast and your ablutions and things. You head to the hunting spot and you speak with Sam and ask her if she wants to uh, if she wants if she has time to go hunting with you tomorrow. Um, I'm gonna go uh, with a persuasion check with you. 
because the date wasn't the best date, but it obviously wasn't the worst either. It was just a middling kind of a date. Um, I'm gonna, I'm not, it's not going to be with advantage or disadvantage. It's just a straight, a straight roll of a, um, a persuasion check. Nineteen, <laughs> rolling well on this dice. These dice tend to roll well for rapists, don't they? These green sparklies. Nineteen plus one from charisma. A dirty twenty. So you ask her. Uh, I'm not going to role play the whole thing because we're in the middle of sort of leveling up. But you, um, you ask Sam out on another date, essentially tomorrow, a day date this time, to to see if she would want to go hunting with you again, since it, since she mentioned on the date that it's been a long time since she's been hunting. Um, and she agrees. She says, "Yeah, it would be it would be nice to get out again and uh, and explore a little more, um, as long as as long as we don't go too deep into the 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 woods." She says. You ask her about whether she's okay after the encounter on the way home, and she says, "Yeah, it was fine. I, I, sorry, I acted the way I did. I just, I was got a little, I got a little shook up. Um, I'm, it's not, it's not the first time. It wouldn't have been the first time that I've been mugged. Um, in this town, uh, the, the thieves are a little, um, they, they can be a little uh, aggressive uh, after dark. So she says she t- tends not to go out as late as she, or stay out as late as she was when you were out." And then after that little encounter, she says she has to get back to work, and you uh, head off out back in back out into the forest to practice again, with your practice, practice, practice. As you hunt for some way of putting yourself in danger again, knowing that you don't really necessarily want to punch an animal to death again, you try and focus on this tingling sensation. You get yourself into um, a precarious situation. This time, danger uh, in danger of. Um, a terrain difficulty rather than a an animal encounter. You get yourself to uh, the edge of somewhere higher, a sort of a, a, a landslidey, a potential for a landslide. Um, somewhere where, where if you weren't careful, you could take a wrong step and tumble down these trees uh, and potentially hurt yourself badly on the trees on the way down this rather steep hill. And then you close your eyes and start to walk down this steep hill. And doing so, your body immediately calls out for for you to open your eyes again because you're 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 endangering yourself needlessly and with that danger immediately starts to come that prickling sensation again up the back of your neck this this fight or flight response and you use that and you try and uh, uh, attune to it you try and try and try and capture that that essence i'm going to roll another wisdom check for you a three three plus your wisdom of two plus your uh, um it's not a, not anything, is it? Forest bonus? No, not forest bonus either. So three plus wisdom of two. That's only a five. You can horseshoe if you want. You want you can horseshoe or you can inspiration. So most people saying no, we're not going to uh, re-roll it. So I steps forwards, trying to attune to this prickling sensation, but they just can't bring themselves to use that in this moment. They've they've had too many uh, near misses, stumbling down hills in the forest miles from anywhere and the last thing apis wants to do is get impaled by an um a sharp branch at the bottom of a hill uh, and and be too far away to actually crawl back to the village the the town and so apis fails in this in this uh morning's training they they they, they fail to bring themselves to put to to uh, trust in this sensation and step through the uh through the prickles through the the pins and needles and into another plane of existence. Apis does, however, in in their practice, in their morning, in their whole day of of, of trying to work out what's going on with this sensation and, and, and their frustration 
at knowing at not knowing what they're even meant to be practicing. If this does feel a cold prickle, a different sense of prickle running down their spine, as if they're being watched from the shadows. And spinning round, Apis sees no shadowy moment, uh, shadowy creature, no shadowy moment. But they are very well reminded of the dream that they had the, uh, last night, where they were met by some shadowy masked individual. I'm just going to roll a check real quick for you. This would be a plus three. 13. With a 13 religion check, Apis feels like the sort of dream that they had last night was different from the sort of dream they had the night before. The night before they could talk, they, they had will, they could interact with the dream. And furthermore, when they were left in the dream, they couldn't, they couldn't end it voluntarily. But last night's felt more like you were just following a cutscene. You, you had something going on for you that you couldn't interact with. It's like something else was trying to talk to you, not the Merry Gentleman. This last night's felt like more like the sort of dreams you've had before when you, when you appeased um, Ultimes with your Sasquatch hunt. You have an inclination that perhaps last night's dream was something beyond trying to speak with you trying to tell you something. And now you find yourself in a relatively dark forest and the, the light of the day is getting lost and the shadows are getting longer. Use protection from good and evil just before we go to sleep. Could do so. So, you head back to um, the, uh, the the village, head back to the town, Fondurg, and you go to sleep. It's not long into this dream before you find yourself standing by a river a little, a little babbling brook, walking, uh, winding its way through a forest clearing. And you can tell, before looking up, that someone's standing behind you. Bracing yourself to know which of the two figures it is, or whether it may be a third new one. You turn around, and you see stand, uh, sitting on a, uh, a sort of curved log. The merry gentleman, twirling in his fingers a a a a twig, a branch of of uh, wood, flicking it between his fingers like one might flick a pen. And he says, "So it's been a couple of hours. I thought I might check in. Have you made any progress? What do you say?" Greetings, sir. You're looking dashing. He says, "Thank you. You're not too bad yourself." It's been a couple of hours. It's been two days for us. He says, yes, well, that's what I mean when I say that it's material bias at the moment. I will explain more when I when you visit me. But basically, the time the time passes differently where I am and where you are. Right? Well, I, um, I punched a pig to death. <laughs> he genuinely laughs at that. It seems to catch him off guard. He says, <laughs> okay. Okay, that's not quite the training that I had in mind, but have you stepped yet? No. I'm feeling the I'm feeling the prickle. I'm feeling the, the feeling that you're talking about and I'm trying to focus on it. I just don't know what I'm doing. Who is the other dude? Is it the other dude? Oh the shadowy one? He says Yeah, who is he? He says I I have a suspicion I know who he is. 
Have you had any luck with the stepping at all? I have failed a lot. I've been trying to focus it on something, but it's not working. You have to help me get my head around it. I don't think I, d I get how it's supposed to work. I can only do it with objects, not myself. I can sense the prickles, but they don't go anywhere. I think you're trying to... I think you're... Perhaps stepping is the wrong word for you to understand it. Yes, in fact, and he stands up, and as he stands up, the, the sort of curved log that he was standing on just like straightens up behind him as if he'd just backed into a tree and the tree had accommodated him to make a seat for him. And now the tree goes back to its normal stature. He says, walk with me. And he, he sort of waves his hand again and, it, and all these sort of forest moves out of his way as he walks. He says, if focusing on these prickles allows you to interact with objects and imbue the objects the power of the ethereal, perhaps that's a better way to come about it for you. Think not that you're stepping to a different place. Think not that you are stepping to a different area of the world, but more that the you are moving the world towards you. That might help. It achieves the same goal, ultimately. But if your focus in, is on objects, I've had champions of your inclination before, where everything is about the other, and it's hard to understand it from your own perspective. Try that. Try it like you're bringing the world towards you, the area you want to go. Think of it like an area, uh, you have to really focus on what it is that you're displacing from the area that you want to go and replace yourself with that moment. Something about his words in thinking about the what you're, what you're displacing in that area makes you think of the descriptions that uh, Verin was telling you when he was, t when he was telling you and teaching you Hunter's Mark and you're, you have to focus on being empathetic towards what the nature around the creature that your hunter's marking is. What plants are they displacing by standing where they are? What air currents are, uh, are being manipulated by their physical presence in that area? So this new way of thinking about it, it resonates with you. And you you feel like that could be a way to focus your your prickling energy, to, to, to send it outwards and not into a specific object, but into the world at large and focus it on one particular area, an area of the world that you want to bring towards you. Right, moving the world. Thank you for your wise guidance. He says, well, it might work. I really am pushing my luck by being here though. As I said already, hours for me are days for you. So I'm really overstaying my welcome. The um, shadowy individual, you're attracting quite a bit of attention. Your power is increasing exponentially and will increase in, in, in will, will continue to do so steadily. You need to get a handle on this Apis. I can be a teacher. I can be your mentor. Unfortunately, I have no need for champions right now. 
but if such a need arises, I think you would make a fine one. He says that, and then he uh, he waves his hand, and his body seems to turn to like a stone statue, which then seems to turn into like a, a, a plant-based statue, which immediately undergoes like a rapid transformation of decomposition. And his body just sort of like moulds, um, uh, it, it, it rots in front of you until this like grass grass statue is just left as, as a, a pile of mulch in front of you. I do really realise your effort here and it's greatly appreciated. You say, you say after him, uh, it's greatly appreciated. Any chance you could give us guidance when I'm awake? Damn it. Then he's gone. So you find yourself left in the woods on your own. Or are you on your own? There's a lot of darkness around. These woods seem darker than they were before. There are a lot of shadows about. Eventually you see, staring out from behind one of the trees, you are looking into the darkness and you realise after a while that the darkness was looking back with a smirking ivory mask. A hand reaches up to the mask and takes it off. You see the glimpse of two dark eyes surrounded with white sclera in a, in a dark face of deceit. And then the darkness closes in around you and everything goes silent and pitch black. And you feel like you're standing in that pitch black silence for over an hour before you wake. On day three, Sinter Day, the day of rest. Perception checks on everyone we meet from this point. So you are on the day of rest, the day when um, uh, Sam no longer has to work uh, and was going to accompany you with, uh, with you on, on a hunt to help you practice your quick drawing, help you practice your prickles. What do you want to do exactly? You want to go get Sam immediately? Get some breakfast first, get Sam and then have breakfast? Have breakfast with Sam? Sure thing. So you go and get, uh, you go and pick up Sam from her place and she's happy to see you. She's dressed very differently to how you uh, have seen her dressed before. This time she's not wearing um, anything in the way of a uh, feminine uh, clothing. She's wearing very practical clothing that is um, uh, not exactly cargo pants, but the medieval equivalent of cargo pants. She's wearing um, rather uh, not, I don't want to say tight fitting because it's not like skin tight pants, but she's wearing stuff that won't get snagged on undergrowth. She's got uh, large hunting boots on with wraps that go all the way up to her knee. She's got a um, a thick um, sort of a hessian material um, over uh, overcoat thing uh, wrapped around with a, a thick belt around the waist. So many pockets, yes. She's she um, has quite the uh, quite the proficient hunter look look about her when you when you pick her up, and her hair is tied up in a um, a very neat bun at the back that's all very um, uh, tucked away. Leg wraps for the win, yep. So you pick her up, you uh, you take her um, out to have breakfast. What do you what do you get breakfast at? Um, at a restaurant before you go and actually pay for it, or do you want to just go out and hunt your breakfast? Bakery, take rolls to go. 
Yeah. Okay. Cool. So you um you pop to a bakery and get um get let's say a silver a silver piece worth of um of rolls, which is a decent a decent amount of rolls for the two of you. Um, you get some baked goods from a bakery on the way. Um, and then you head out into the uh, out into the woods, and you uh, have some general small talk chit chat on your way out into the forest. And you spend the most of the morning um, practicing quick draw with her. And she t- she's uh, she's particularly good at quick draw. It seems um, she is uh, she's not quite as good at, at uh, the aim as you are. You are you're a much better aim. Um, your your shots are clustered a lot closer together to one another. You're quite more you're more consistent with your um, your arrows. But she's much faster with them. She can shoot off almost twice as many arrows in this in the same amount of time as you can. So she's telling you a little bit about about the techniques that she uses and what she's what she thinks about when she's doing this. Um, and for the most for the most part of the day, you spend um, practicing that that quick drawing ability. I'm gonna just roll a general charisma check uh, to see how how the day goes with uh, with the two of you. <laughs> Net one. <laughs> Net one. Does anyone want to re-roll that with uh, with inspiration or lucky horse? But a yes or a no if you if you do or do not want to um, re-roll. Most people saying yes, re-roll that, but a few saying no's. We've got a few no's, but uh, mostly yeses. So we're going to use our uh, we're going to use our lucky horseshoe, which um, replace uh, it recharges every morning anyway. To re-roll that charisma check and get an eleven. Eleven plus one charisma, so slightly above average. Again, there's some awkward tension and things. Um, small talk is a little on the lacking side, um, and there's a couple of jokes that don't go down well. But for the most part, it's an above average uh, time together. Eventually, you you come to the, uh, towards the end of the day. Do you want to practice the prickling at all today, or uh, is there anything else you want to do? You have you've only practiced your quick draw ability today. You have definitely improved. You by the end of the day, you've you've definitely gotten faster with your. Um, uh, are we practicing on wooden targets or game? Definitely wooden targets. Uh, Apis doesn't kill just for the spot, and it would be too many too much game to uh, take back with you. So you might like towards the end of the day, you might genuinely hunt for an animal. Pass without trace. So. As you're as you're walking, trying to hunt towards the end of the day, you decide. She says, "Are we going to actually hunt an animal now? I feel like we should take something back. Um, it's been a while since I've uh, I've killed something or eaten something that I've actually killed." And you say, "Sure, let's uh, let's try and hunt." And you start your hunt together. You focus on the on on tracking down the animal, and then as you get close, she says, um, uh, "There's a." I can tell that there's a um what's the collective noun of deer? Pack of deer, a herd of deer, whatever it is. She says there's a thing of deer <laughs> nearby. I can I can tell that there's um a herd of deer uh close by. I feel like I feel like venison uh tonight. But they're they're particularly quite they're particularly um perceptive, I've found. Uh they they, they can they're they're easily spooked. So we need to be particularly quiet. And there's something about her mentioning that you need to be quiet that reminds you of, of the silence that you were stud- that you were forced into last night, the silence that you felt, as this as this uh, this 
a hooded, masked individual inhaled and sucked the shadows towards themselves. Um, It seemed to encompass that silence with the darkness. I'm going to roll another religion check for you. 13 plus 3, 16. With a 16, you feel for the first time that perhaps this thing that's been visiting you in the dreams is trying to help you with this ability this it's trying to it's trying to teach you something maybe it's not it's doing so in a very creepy way particularly with its uh, its its tie to the shadows and the deceit and the deception but it's trying to teach you something you feel like whatever it is or whoever it is is trying to help you with this uh, this ability to stealth in the shadows and so you focus on that you look around yourself you feel that prickling sensation on the back of your neck as the hairs are standing up and you can see the creeping shadows around you you swear out of the corner of your eye you see the movement of a black cloak but by the time you've looked that way it's gone I'm going to need a wisdom check Ooh, 17 plus 2 is pretty good. With a 19, you get yourself into a position where you remember, you try and remember how this this creature was standing the first time you saw it, when it first started to breathe in. And you inhale the way that it did. And almost imperceptibly, but definitely something that you can feel, if not, uh, if, if not Sam. You feel yourself get quieter. Even the throbbing of, of uh, blood in your ears seems to dull. And you look around and you realise that you're slightly darker. You look down and you seem almost like camouflaged in the shadow. Sam doesn't seem to have noticed the change. It's very subtle. But you walk forwards, and the crunching of leaves under your feet seems deadened, almost. Quieter. It's still there. But it's definitely noticeable to you that you're moving quieter now. You get closer and closer to these deer. You can get closer than you probably would have expected you would be able to. Before you draw back your bowstring, and even the subtle creaking of the bowstring... Seems not even there. It's like there's no, there's still the resistance of the bow, but there's no sound from it. You let the bow, you let the arrow go. And there's a, a, a sort of momentary confusion from uh, Sam as she almost real, almost acknowledges that there's, that there was no sound of a, <laughs> from the bow being released. The arrow strikes right through the, uh, the, the the neck of one of the deer and with the instant loss of blood pressure to its head as the, um, as the, as the blood starts to um, pump from its body, it goes down unconscious, feeling no more as the rest of the, the herd scatter. You start to um, you start to acknowledge the fact that you have just allowed this darkness into yourself in a certain way this darkness to overwhelm you 
and use it. And a part of you starts to wonder whether this is related to Sally and whether it was okay to allow it into yourself. And this panicking moment makes you uh, lose concentration of what you were doing. And all at once, the, the colour seems to come back to your skin and sounds things start to sound a little louder. You can hear yourself breathing and feel the blood pounding in your ears. Sam immediately goes over to the deer to start cleaning and uh, and gutting and preparing it in the way that she uh, she is very proficient in doing. As a long-time hunter, she wants to feel that sense of all of all of the aspects of a hunt that she hasn't felt for years. And between the two of you, you haul back this deer to the town. Get skinning tips from her. Yeah, you um you you talk with her about uh, how to skin, how to um all, all sort of general survival tricks, tricks and tips. And you make your way back to the town. Um, it is, uh, as I said, an above-average date together. What do you want to do with this deer? She definitely wants to keep a good um, a good leg of it or two. She says she's got a um, she's got um, a, uh, some family in town uh, that that would that would um, take some of it as well. But obviously, you've had a, a huge part in taking it down, and so she wants you to have half of it if you want it. Let her keep it on. All right. So you. You um you say no, it's fine. You can have the whole thing. Uh, distribute it as you see fit, and so she does so. Running a hunting shop, she's uh, she knows uh, several people who would happily take it. Will she offer to cook it? Um, if you ask her such, yes. Let's uh, let's make a persuasion check. See if you can um, politely ask her to cook it for you. Sixteen plus one, that is enough. Yes. So with a seventeen, you manage to politely ask her, would you would you cook it? Um, and she offers, yeah, you you killed it. Uh, it's been a fun day. Uh, least I can do is is prepare it, and we'll have some venison together. And you spend the evening together. Um, you eat uh, you eat a venison meal, home cooked venison dinner. Um, you get to see where she lives uh, up up upstairs from the um, the hunting spot. We could sell a bit of the coming up hunt for a bit of a coin. That is true. You could you could definitely sell it to a butcher if you were so inclined. Have some of the deer for dinner, go collect some wine perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, you could get some wine, yeah. I'll tell you tell you what we do then. We take uh we take a leg of the um we take a leg of the venison uh to the butchers before they close, we sell it and we use the money that we sell that for to buy some wine and then we have that with the dinner. Just so we don't have to fork out any money for for uh for dinner. <laughs> and then play some panpipes. If we cooked it, we would have burnt it. That's that's certainly true. Yep. All right. So that uh, thus concludes our um, our third day of training, day three, sin today. And then you go back to your own place. Can we read one of the books while we're sitting down doing nothing in the dream? Unfortunately, not now. Um, so reading the book would count towards like doing something, like um, something other than training. So you're you would be training a particular. Um, skill. You would be leveling up that skill. You can read the book in, as flavor. Absolutely, you can read the book. But if you're asking, can you read the book towards your profic- towards gaining proficiency in herbalism or whatever? Unfortunately, that would um, that would not be um, that would not be the case. Can we use playing a warrior while playing the panpipes? <laughs> they could be considered a weapon since they're so dangerous. <laughs> would practicing the tingles in our bedroom without anything to fear be too much of a handicap? Or can we try and figure out how to access them without fear? Absolutely good idea there, Sparrow. Um, so you, before sleeping, you wonder how 
how much of a handicap, you think about how much of a handicap it would be if you were unable to access the, any of these abilities without fear. And so you try and focus on getting yourself into that state without fear. I'm going to make a wisdom check for you as you sit on the end of your bed trying to work out how to... That's cocked. I'm going to work out how to... 18, nice. Plus two wisdom, dirty 20. You sit there on the end of your bed and you try and focus on what it feels like to get those pins and needles and tingles down your arms. And it takes only about half an hour or so of you focusing on this before you can kind of conjure them. You can feel the prickles up the top of your arm. It's not nearly as strong as when you're actually in peril. But you imagine yourself in peril. You imagine yourself in that situation of being in danger. And then you can kind of imagine and, and visualize these feelings down your arms. And it always starts in the shoulders and works its way down your uh, upper arms. And you can feel them. You can't quite get them to reach the, your fingertips in the same way as uh, when you're actually in peril. But you can definitely start to conjure them before actually putting yourself in danger. Suddenly you th your, your mind starts to wander towards the day you've spent with Sam and how it feels it feels good to be wanted it feels good to be so, to have someone flirting with you even even though there's many parts of Apis's mind that are doubtful as to Sam's motives it still feels nice to be wanted to be ad admired to be um enjoyed as a person and that conjures a different sense of tingling and you notice in that moment the similarity between it. And you, you, and you wonder whether there's a connection between strong emotions, strong primal emotions, like fear or desire, and this fundamental building block magic of the universe. And you wonder whether that's more than just a coincidence that it's a fundament the, the the fundamental emotions of a, a living being and the fundamental magics of the universe may be more connected than you think and we rage into planar mode we may well if something gets you angry enough you could you could potentially rage into uh, planar mode as well but it's been a long day very exhausting day and so apis uh, goes to sleep at this point um almost feels like you're not dreaming you're just enjoying the darkness you're listening to the sounds of the the tavern as you lay there in your bed with the the shutters closed and your eyes closed and all the candles blown out and you're not sure when the transition happens between sleeping and dreaming but at some point it does and you know so because you hear the words use my technique and you open your eyes to see who's speaking and there's no one around or rather if there is you can't see them because you're in pitch black I have many gifts the voice seems to just be omnipresent around you in the darkness you realize in this moment this dream is not like the others. This dream is more like the Merry Gentleman dreams, where you can you can speak, you can interact, you can move. What do you want to do? What do you want to say? Who are you? 
Teach me. Teach yourself. You look down to, to uh, your hand goes to your bow on your shoulder and it's not there. You are in your regular clothing. No equipment on you. It's an honour to meet you. Yes. These gifts you have evil. I don't want to be evil. There are evil ways to use my gifts. But gifts are neither evil nor good. There is just gifts. I would like to use your gifts for good. Then use them for good. And out of the darkness, the first thing the first instance of something that's not black emerges. It's just a it's just an ivory mask of a smirking face. And you're not sure without any sense of scale, you're not sure if this thing is six feet away and the size of a human, or a hundred feet away and the size of a house. It is just present, hanging in the darkness. It's smirking as this pale hand seems to materialise out of the shadows beneath it, reaches up and grabs the mask, and starts to remove it. Use my gifts. And as the, uh, as the, the mask starts to be removed, you start to see the side of a face beneath it that's dark-skinned and dark-eyed. And that's all you see before you wake up. What do you want to do on day four, everybody? Spend the next day with Mel, perhaps. What's she been doing this whole time? She's been out hunting with you. She's been enjoying the forests. If ever I'm not mentioning Mel, she's just around. She's a companion animal, so she's just around when you need her. Intelligence check. Do we know where, uh, if there's a god of many faces called that way or nicknamed that way? Let's make a religion check. Three. Three plus your intelligence uh, of three. That's a six. Unfortunately, with a six, you don't recall any many-faced god. You do recall that in Sally's apartment, in the secret room that they found after she fled the town, you found two different religious idols that she had. One of which was a skull with a hand grasping the front of the skull and the eye was burning in a, in a flame. You can't help but recognize the connection to that, um, that symbol. But there are some definite differences. The mask you've seen is definitely of a humanoid face with a smirk, not a skull. And the eyes are not flaming. You could certainly ask around, though. As part of your training, as part of this uh, this levelling up, you can definitely go and research whatever this thing is that's um, that's trying to tell you to use your use its abilities. Does Mel like Sam? Mel's Mel's. Um, neutral on Sam. Sam doesn't speak um, Sylvan, so everything that has been between Mel and Sam has been through you. We could ask the mages, uh, go to a library. We we're in, a, we're in a lib essentially a library. You could just ask the, the inn owner. She is an acolyte to Fifka, the, the god of knowledge, one of the gods of knowledge. 
Do we want to? Um, do we want yes or no? Thumbs up or down in the chat? Do you want to um, ask somebody about this uh, this masked individual? Yes, 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 yes. No, no, no. Yes, 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 no. So most people saying yes. You go for breakfast in the uh, in the inn. Uh, you ask Andrea, who is the acolyte to Fifka, the one of the hunting gods who runs this tattered page, this inn inn library. Um, what do you, what exactly do you ask her? Do you ask her? Uh, do you describe the whole situation and see what she knows, or or do you like ask her for books on gods or something? Do you just ask her, have you heard of the many-faced god or anything? I'm just going to put it to a two-minute poll starting now. All right, with 70% of the vote, Apis wants to ask discreetly. We want, don't want to give away all of the information about what we've been dreaming about and, the, um, and the, the visuals of this creature and things. But we just want to ask about information on gods particularly. And so... Um, and so... The uh, Andrea gives us this this um, uh, this this book. She gives us this book on the gods, uh, the, the the basic gods of the world. Uh, and I'm just going to make an intelligence-based inter- investigation check to see how well we skim this book and find the information that we are looking for. A four, a four plus three is seven on our uh, investigation check. Do we want to use inspiration or lucky horseshoe to reroll that? All right, most people are saying yes, re-roll it. So we are going to re-roll with horseshoe, lurky horseshoe. That is a six, definitively better, (laughs) Uh, but still only a nine. Do we want to re-roll with our inspiration for one last time? No, keep our inspiration. All right, so most people say no then. Um, So with a nine on our investigation check to find the information we're after, we are too distracted in too much stuff that could be related, but not enough to be related for sure. Um, and so we don't we don't feel confident knowing any more information than we we started with. It's not the it, well, it wasn't the greatest in, uh, in, in inspirational um, way to start the day. We've spent a few hours reading through this book and and pretty much just got nothing. We we, we skim read most of it. Um, there was a couple of things that piqued our interest, um, but it ultimately didn't lead us anywhere. We've got a few more hours of the day. What do we want to practice? Do we want to practice trying to use his dark abilities that he was talking about? Do we want to try and practice the prickling sensation? Or do we want to practice our quick drawing some more? Now we, Or we can just ask the lady for help directly now that we've failed to look it up on our own. Step, stepping practice, stepping practice, prickling, prickling, prickling. All right, most people saying stepping practice. Um, and because we don't have a lot of time, um, try and just try and stay in town and see if we can summon this prickling situation. All right, wisdom check to see how well we can get these. A, hey, 14, 14 plus two, 16. With a 16, it's going well. Our practice is going well and we we're managing to put ourselves into situations that aren't necessarily dangerous, but we can imagine if they were. And that imagination is, is with, with practice, we're able to re-summon these sorts of prickling sensations as, we, as we're, we're, we're tying into that static electricity of uh, the fundamentals of the magic of the universe. And then we've got to focus 
on an area of the world that we want to pull towards us, what does that even mean? We focus on an area that's like 10 feet in front of us on the cobblestone path and we're on some da- some uh, smaller um, side street and occasionally there's a horse trundles by on the main street but we don't pay any, any mind to it. We're just focused on the cobblestones and much as we do with Hunter's Mark, we think about the area of the world that is being displaced by that particular... what's going on in that area right now. We look at the small patches of moss between the cobblestones and where they're growing. We think about what temperature those stones must be, being in the shade of a building to our right as the sun is starting to set. They must be holding some of the warmth of the day from the, the sun being directly overhead a few hours ago, but they must be getting close to cold now. They probably haven't seen sun in a while, those stones. Which means the temperature above the, the stones would be about the same. And there probably wouldn't be a very very big breeze right now. You're putting yourself into the, the smells, the sounds, the sights, everything, the sensations of being in that space. And as you're focusing on all of these things, this tingling is growing. And rather than growing downwards towards your fingertips, like when you plane a warrior and you loosen, you, you, you amalgamate all of that power into a, an object that you then fire at an enemy. Instead, it seems to be prickling up towards your throat and down into your pectorals and down your sides into the into the ribs. You can feel it and occasionally you'll get excited at the fact that these pricklers going different direction and you'll lose concentration on it and lose it. So you focus again, you calm yourself, you get your mind back into a meditative place and you focus again on that same place, the same temperature, sights and sounds and smells that you would feel if you were in that space. And you feel the prickling coming back and you calm yourself, you know that it's coming and you are excited that it's going somewhere, you're making progress. Before long, you manage to feel that prickling sensation all over your entire upper torso. And then you focus on bringing that space towards yourself. And in that moment, there seems to be a a bursting, a, a popping of this energy within yourself, this, this prickling sensation that you've built up. It seems to p- pop from you and uh, out, of your, out of your body itself, you are suddenly surrounded by a mist. <laughs> that swirls around you and dissipates in an instant. You haven't moved, but that was the first time that that's happened for sure. And the act of it entirely surprised you. You, tr- you try and conjure it again, but expect expecting what's going to happen just... It, 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 it's thrown you off for the rest of the day. By now it's late though, and the sun has set, and you realise that you've probably been standing in this side street staring at these same cobblestones for over an hour. And so you start walking back towards your, um, towards the, uh, the tavern. You're still focused on what you were doing though. You're focused on the experience that you just had and trying to get it back. And you're not paying the road as much attention as you possibly should. So you are quite startled when a voice says, Are you? And you sort of look to the side and you see that there are three large men in dark robes 
standing leaning against a wall and one of them has a, a a knife out and is sort of like picking his nails with the knife and the one that called to you has started walking over towards you and they're about 10 feet away and he says it's not safe around these parts to be out at this time I'm going to make a perception check for you Ooh, 17. 17 plus your perception of 4, that's a 21. With the 21 perception check, the first thing that you notice is that there's three men and that they're very intimidating in their stature and uh, and and body build. The second thing that you notice is that this uh, instantly is in a dangerous situation for you and you feel that sense of prickling overcoming your body without even having to focus on it now now that you're in a dangerous situation. But the third thing you notice is that just below a uh, just below a lapel that's kind of um, tucked out of the way, it's kind of been brought forwards against his neck to, uh, to, to, to block the cold from him. And by bringing forward his lapel, you see that there's a small pin on his, uh, on his cloak that's no bigger than the thumbnail. And the pin is of a an ivory smirking mask with a hand taking it away from her face. As he gets close enough to grab you, you quickly look over your shoulder. In an instant, you see an area uh, of the street about 30 feet away where it's right before a corner. And you know that if you can get to that space, You'll be able to get away from this. You'll be able to outrun him. You'll be able to dive behind something and and lose him. You just need to get to that uh, that corner before he can. And just enough, just by thinking this, uh, just by thinking this 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 um, this escape plan. These prickles that have overcome your body from this danger that you found yourself in. Explodes out of you in this violent mist storm, and then. As soon as it's dis- dispersed from yourself, the guy's gone. As are his friends, as are the walls that his friends were leaning against. Even the barrels that were outside of the tavern that they were near, it's all gone. And you hear off to your side, What the hell was... Hey, he's over there! And you glance over to where he was, and standing 30 feet away, there are the three muggers that are standing by the side of the wall, one with a knife out. How did he get him? And you, re- you turn around and realise you're standing in the space that you wanted to get to. And you turn and bolt and you run and you run and you run and you can feel them coming. You can hear them coming, but you manage to lose them. You manage to lose them because as you duck into an alleyway to lose them, you are greeted with shadow (sighs) and you can see almost like out of the corner of your eye, out of an open shuttered window, there is uh, uh, in your peripheral you see a, a, a person wearing a mask, an ivory mask, taking that mask off. And you don't even have time to look at it, but you suddenly realise, use my abilities. And you inhale as you run, and the dark shadows of the street around you cling to you. Your footsteps on the cobblestone deaden as soon as you've turned off the road. And you can hear behind you, three running muggers run past the alleyway that you ducked down and then you slump down against the wall staring at your hands which are now shrouded in 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 darkness 
and you can you can you can feel your heart beating you can feel the breath catching but you can barely even hear it you look back to the window where this masked face was when you ran down this alleyway and it's not there there's no one there you wait a few more moments before going to the end of your uh, your road your alleyway and looking out and they've gone and so you make your way slowly and quietly back towards the tattered page. And you go to sleep. For the first time in several days, you are dreamless. When you wake up, you have one more day of training to do before you feel like you can actually control these abilities. What do you want to practice? Just combination of all of it. I'd like to research. Library to quick search for gods that are followed by thieves. You head to the librarian again, Andre Andrea, and you ask her <clears throat> you ask her in couch language, but with more to go on now. You ask her a sequence of like, do you know anything about gods that are worshipped by thieves? And probably quick as a flash, I will roll her for it because there's a chance of failure, but it's very low DC for her being her <laughs> <laughs> uh, given her background as a as an acolyte she knows quite a lot about the religion uh, the religious pantheons so because there was a chance of failure i i rolled for it but i set the dc very low the only chance that she could fail was a one or a two and she got a two so she says um i'm afraid i don't know about gods of thieves but um I do have an I do have a more advanced book rather than the one that I gave you if you if you want to see it um, and she goes and finds this book for you she can't answer your your question directly but she eventually gets you this book and you spend most of the morning reading through this book and it's a lot denser than the one that she gave you yesterday it's it's a lot wordier um, and it was written by someone with much less of an understanding of keeping things light or connecting patterns and it's much more just dense text. But eventually, you find reference to a god called Gamerson. And Gamerson is a god of the trickery domain, whose portfolio includes disguise, deception, thieves, cheaters, liars, fraudsters, charlatans, and so forth. He has no specific place of worship, but his divine symbol is a face with a right hand removing a mask. And you realise in that moment that you've been visited by Gemerson, who has granted you your ability to pass without a trace. Necromancy, according to this author of this particular book that you're reading, necromancy is not in this particular god's um, domain or portfolio. Apis is very popular with the gods and Knowing that, realizing in that moment when Apis realizes, I'm very popular with the gods. I've now been visited or, or interacted with by at least three different gods. The god of healing, who gave me cure wounds. The god of hunting, who gave me hunter's mark. The god of, uh, of trickery and deceit and disguise, who gave me pass without a trace. And you realize in that moment uh, a, a comment that the merry gentleman made a couple of dreams ago. When you asked him briefly about this other figure and he said you're attracting quite a bit of attention you have a lot of potential and i can mentor you in it and you realize the merry gentleman may have been talking about the gods you are attracting quite a bit of attention from the gods
they're they're a god of the trick trick uh, god of the trickery domain, um, and they are usually worshipped by thieves and charlatans and things. But that doesn't make them necessarily evil. They have gifts that they imbue on their followers that can be used in a number of ways, like Apis with Pass Without a Trace. If you use it for evil deeds, then sure, you, you're evil, but it's really down to your worshippers to determine whether they are evil or not. So, uh, you've spent the morning researching this. You feel like you know, you know uh, who, who's giving you your Pass Without Trace now. Uh, what do you want to spend the rest of the, the time doing? Practicing your... Um, your uh, extra attack, practicing your, your quick draw, practice with Mel. All right, so we um, just visit other temples and see any other gods that want to bestow gifts. Um, <laughs> bestow your gifts to me, please. I'm a, I'm a god's smorgasbord. Let's put all of it in practice. So we grab Mel, we head out into the forest, and we put all of it into practice, trying to bring those three things together, trying to hunt, trying to use our stealth, using in that, um, that, that, that pass without trace ability, trying to use our, uh, our survival to hunt, our athletics, our animal handling to control uh, the animals, using our quick draw to fire on them. We eventually go home with, um, with a couple of co uh, conies in, in tow. And at the end of the day, to top it all off, um, I will say that you sell a rabbit to the butcher who is willing to buy it for like five silver. So I'm going to give you five silver for that. And then to top it all off, you play some panpipes as well. And that ends your five days of downtime. You level up to level five, increasing all of your proficiencies by one, which is why in that last day we were uh, training animal handling, athletics, perception, stealth, and survival, because all of those have gone up by one. The brewer's tools, we didn't... I mean, technically we go up by one in that as well, but I couldn't find a way to, to shoehorn that into the day of practice. Uh, we've, our panpipes have gone up by one. Um, and we have learned Misty Step, Pass Without Trace, and now whenever we take the attack action on our turn, we can attack twice instead of once because we've practiced our, um, our, our, our quick drawing. So we've leveled up to level five. We wake up the next day on the 11th of Altabris on Balm Day. Um, on the 33rd day of our, our adventure so far. And I think that's where we're going to pick up next time. So thank you very much for joining me, everybody. I will see you next week. Bye. That's all for this episode of Twitch Tales. But if you want to be there to actually join in on the decision making, head over to twitch.tv forward slash Robert Hartley GM and click the little love heart to follow the channel. It's free to do and it notifies you when I go live so you can tune in to join the fun. I'll see you there.